Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show, live on Sirius XM Channel 111 every weekday at noon east. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Kelly. Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show. Happy February. We made it. January is so long, isn't it? My gosh. Uh, this is uh, this is the year uh, in what my next guest is calling the longest general election campaign in history. We are well on our way, one month down, and it sure does feel that way. As the nation prepares to elect a new president, the polling shows some very good news for former President Trump in key swing states, but some bad news for him when it comes to the latest national poll. We'll get into it. And then there's that wild... Oh, did you watch any of this? The big tech hearing on Capitol Hill yesterday. I found this thing fascinating. It's, you know, usually I'll see the highlights and I'll follow the news reporting and my team will watch it and sort of give me the highlights this morning. I, that's what I did. I watched the whole hearing. It was three hours. You can find it on YouTube. It was very interesting. And it was one of the only times I've seen in recent history where you heard exactly the same messaging from the Dems and the Republicans. It was these tech executives on their heels as several tried to lie about the damage that their products are causing, in particular, to young people and young girls uh, in this country, in most most notably Meta's Mark Zuckerberg. It, it was a crazy exchange with Senator Josh Hawley, who shamed him into standing up and apologizing to the families who had come to Capitol Hill holding up pictures of their dead or damaged children. And he actually did it, stood up and turned around to them and offered an apology. There's a lot to go over. We're going to talk about it first with former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, author of March to the Majority. Mr. Speaker, welcome back to the show. Great to have you. Well, it's always fun to be with you. And you're right. There are a lot of things going on. Right. OK, so let's just start there, because I really was very interested in this. What happened on Capitol Hill? And I know you know better than anybody. It's not that common these days to see Republicans and Democrats united on anything. But they were united in their anger against the social media companies, in particular, how they've just done almost nothing to protect young people from the hazards of their products. And there are things that can be done. No, they can't eliminate all harm, but there are things that can be done. Uh, And it's culminated in this exchange between Senator Josh Hawley and Mark Zuckerberg, who continued to deny Zuckerberg continued to deny that his products cause any harm. I'll just set it up before I play the soundbite. This is what he said. Mental health is a complex issue, and the existing body of scientific work has not shown a causal link between using social media and young people having more mental health outcomes. That's just not true. That that is not true. Meta's own internal studies, we know, uh, have proven time and time again. Wall Street Journal analysis of the Meta study showed Meta's own researchers, quote, repeatedly found that Instagram in particular, which is owned by Meta, they own Facebook and Instagram, quote, is harmful for a sizable percentage of young users, most notably teenage girls, but did nothing about it. People inside Meta have been jumping up and down trying to tell Zuckerberg, we do need to do something about this. And he's opted not to because money, because he can make more money if he doesn't. So all of this leads to this exchange with Holly, where Zuckerberg, for the listening audience, does stand up. You can't hear the beginning of the apology because he's off mic, um, but you'll get the flavor. Watch. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. There's families of victims here today. Have you apologized to the victims? I've, 
Would you like to do so now? Well, they're here. You're on national television. Would you like now to apologize to the victims who have been harmed by your product? Show them the pictures. Would you like to apologize for what you've done to these good people? Will you take personal responsibility? Senator, I, I think I've already answered this. I mean, this is these we'll are try this issues. again. Will you take personal responsibility? Senator, I view my job and the job of our company as building the best tools that we can to keep our community safe. Well, you're failing at that. To, you're a billionaire. Will you commit to compensating the victims? Will you set up a compensation fund Senator, with your money? I think these are these are with your money. Senator, these are complicated Yes, that, no, that, that's not a complicated I, I, question. Senator, I don't think that that's, uh, uh, my job is to Sounds make sure like a no. good tools. My, my Sounds job like is a no. to make sure that. Your job is to be responsible for what your company has done. What did you make of it, Mr. Speaker? Well, I was really reminded of the early days of the tobacco hearings, uh, when the evidence was overwhelming uh, that tobacco caused heart disease, caused cancer. Uh, and you would have these same kind of executives uh, defending the profit margin of their companies and getting up and saying things that were just patently false. Uh, the evidence is overwhelming that particularly for young girls, uh, that the social media that people like Zuckerberg are so proud of is extraordinarily dangerous, has increased the level of depression, has increased the level of suicide, uh, and that these companies have done nothing uh, to reduce that kind of risk. Uh, and I don't know whether it's out of a profit motive because he's already extraordinarily rich or whether it's just out of arrogance. But it's clear that uh, Congress will, will have a hard time finding a positive way to intervene as opposed to holding hearings. But I do think the pressure is going to build to find mechanisms that protect young people and that recognize that uh, these, inst these instruments can be good, but they can also be very dangerous. Mm, that's the problem. And I mean, I'll tell you something. I don't allow my kids on social media, I, period. Doug and I have made a really clear, hard decision that they're not, just not going to do it. Not while they're in our house, not at 12, not at 14. No. And I, it's so frustrating to me because I look around at so many other parents that I know who talk about how their kids are dealing with severe anxiety, girls in particular, stress, depression, and yet they continue to allow them on social media right. and to spend hours a day scrolling it. It's like they're just not paying attention. The, the news is ubiquitous about the link between these apps and depression in particular amongst girls. So it needs to be a joint effort by the tech companies and the parents. We can't forget their role in it. Look, these, these internet institutions are at least as dangerous as drinking. And we've been pretty clear as a country about trying to establish a baseline for when we think you're mature enough. I think we need the same conversation. I think that uh, there, are, there are aspects of uh, things like Instagram that we clearly have to appreciate uh, should not be there for people who are 13, 14, 15 years of age. And I think that uh, ideally that'll be done voluntarily, but if it's not at some point, you're going to have to have Congress impose rules of the road, just as we've imposed rules of the road for tobacco uh, and for alcohol. So what the thing that the legislators were pushing yesterday was to get rid of 230 
which uh, Section 230, which provides immunity to these social media companies saying you're really just platforms. You can't be held liable for damage that happens as a result of posts on your platforms. And, you know, I've heard a lot of even conservatives say, eh, that's not the answer. You know, more lawsuits. That's not the answer. And how can you really hold a platform liable for, let's say, a defamatory comment somebody makes in the comments section of a post on the Federalist or the Daily Wire, for example? This to me seems like something different. Why, why can't these parents who sat in that audience holding up pictures of their dead children who died, just to give the audience a flavor, for, because they ordered, there was a testimony, one, one kid didn't feel well and ordered a pill off the internet, just a stupid thing to do, but he did it. It was laced, laced with fentanyl. He died. Um, many of the parents had children who were lured into this, they call it sex torsion where a foreign bad actor poses as a sexy young girl, for example, and says, hey, here's a naked picture of me. Now you send me one of you. And he does it. And then they reveal themselves as bad guys who now have a picture of this boy naked and they're going to post it everywhere unless he gives them money. And in a shocking amount of instances, these boys wind up killing themselves rather than face the embarrassment of this. I listened to a woman testify at an event I went to two summers ago um, where she talked about how her child, her son was on, she, she went upstairs, it's terrible, and found him hanging. He, he had hanged himself because he was being bullied by kids on Snapchat who had found a way into a back door that you can easily use with third-party software into Snapchat. You're, no one other than your friends are supposed to be ac able to access you. But they had, and they bullied this kid literally to death these are just a couple of the problems with the social media. And some of that really can be stopped, like the backdoor on Snapchat and a greater crackdown on these sextortion schemes, which are prevalent, not to mention the sale of pills. So they're not doing any of it. I don't know that 230 is going to take care of it, but the immunity that these companies have is troubling. You know, it seems like an antiquated provision for modern day problems. Well, it is. Look, when, when I was in the Congress uh, two, dec two decades ago. We did things specifically to encourage the growth of the internet, because at the time it was a brand new technology. We thought it was important for America to take the lead. And so we took steps. Well, now these are gigantic worldwide companies. Their owners are enormously rich. They have to be held to a different standard. And we've learned some things. I, I think all of us have been surprised how susceptible young people are uh, to psychologically being beaten up and harassed on social media to a degree that they become depressed. And as you point out, in a number of cases, they commit suicide. <clears throat> there ought to be some accountability, uh, some ability to hold the company liable, at a minimum, some ability for parents to intervene and have easy access to somebody in the company to cut their child off or to track down and hold liable the people who have been doing this. I mean, if the people who are doing the bullying suddenly were held liable and you were able to sue them for the bullying, you would stop a great deal of negative behavior on the internet. Mm -hmm. One of the things that the social media companies were saying was, you know, we're, oh, we'll make it um, a blocking app more available to the parents or blocking mechanism. And I have to give credit to Amy Klobuchar uh, Democrat, former presidential com, uh, candidate who got out there and said, be realistic. 
these parents, they can't navigate these apps better than the children. And there are so many. If you're going to let your kid do social media, whether it's Snapchat, TikTok, Facebook, Insta, all these things, you got a different mechanism for each one. Parents are busy. They care about their children, but they have to work. They have to take them to school. They have to maintain their own lives to try to figure out, you know, the five different apps and what the parental mechanisms are. There needs to be some uniform protection. Like I hate to put it all on like our government saviors to regulate these companies into doing the right thing. But like just to kick it all back to the parents and say, you guys figure it out yourselves app by app is not realistic and it's not working. So what are your thoughts as a Republican on, you know, big government actively getting involved here to say, sorry, social media companies, you are going to have to do something to make it easier? Well, you know, normally I am for less government and more freedom and more of a free market. But I'm always reminded of President Theodore Roosevelt reading Upton Sinclair's novel, The Jungle, which was about the stockyards in uh, Chicago. And there was a scene in the jungle where a man working in the uh, stockyard fell into a vat and ended up being turned into sausage. Well, Roosevelt was apparently reading that scene as he ate his eggs and sausage that morning. Okay. And uh, by, by that afternoon, he had sent up the Food and Drug Administration bill uh, because he realized that there are in modern nationwide manufacturing systems, you have to establish certain standards. You know, I want to know if I go to a McDonald's or a Wendy's uh, that the food is safe. I want to know that if, if I go anywhere and take a drink, that the water is safe. Now, is that government? Yes, but it's a public health issue. Well, now we have mental health issues that are fully as important. I mean, if you're going to lose your child, whether it's to a drunk driver or to smoking too much and getting cancer or to being psychologically destroyed on the internet. In each case, you've lost your child. And I do think it's legitimate for the government to intervene literally as a public health issue uh, and try to better understand uh, both with drugs and with just plain uh, mental illness, what we're doing to ourselves and what we have to do to stop it. Mm. I'll tell you something interesting. Um, I watched that clip. I actually watched it with my children, all three of my children of Mark Zuckerberg standing up and apologizing. And um, I, I said to them, what did, you, what did you think of it? And I have to admit, I am a sucker for an apology. I, I am. Um, and all three of my kids who are 10, 12, and 14 were a hard no on the apology. All three of them said, yeah. he just did that because the one guy made him do it. It wasn't sincere. Right. He wouldn't have done it. And I, I was thinking just as a person who's in the, in the news biz, um, I, it, Mark Zuckerberg's PR people must have been mortified that he did it. They must have thought it's the one thing we forgot to go over, right? Because well, a better way of handling it would have been, God forbid. And from now on, everybody's going to be given the Zuckerberg role. Like if they ask you to do that, you say, I'm not going to make this into a dramatic moment. This moment is about you getting answers for me and I'm happy to provide them, but I'd be glad to meet with any families who want to meet with me at the appropriate time and hear their stories and see what we can do to help them. That's the right answer. He kind of embarrassed himself by doing it. I don't know. What did you think? It was pretty extraordinary to see Mark Zuckerberg do it. No, I thought he was in a position where uh, the Senator was clearly going to keep and was going to humiliate him. I mean, he would have kept going after him unless he did it. Uh, and it made him look very 
in like like he was he lacked heart. He had no sense mm -hmm. of sincerity. But I also think that it was baloney. I don't think Zuckerberg meant it. Uh, I think he went out, got back in his private plane, flew back to his extraordinary uh, state in California, and continued to get money uh, out of teenagers uh, without any particular sense of shame or of, of fixing things. Again, I think that, that it would have been good to come back and say, all right, if you meant that, in what ways are you going to change your company? In what mm. ways are you going to do something different? I think that would have been a very good follow-up from Hawley uh, after the after the uh, apology. Mm -hmm. One of the problems with all these social media, and we're been beat, we're beating up on Zuckerberg, but it's it's across all these platforms, is the weird sexual provocations that are fed to young children and open the door to pedophiles who are all over the internet trying to get access to your kids. I was glad to see they had the one um, the one CEO there, forgive me, I can't remember his name, but he's from one of the platforms, um, Discord, uh, which is a gaming platform. I have a very good friend whose young son was on one of these games and got approached by a pervert, like a young kid who he didn't, he, he just started like talking dirty to him in the chat. And my friend didn't even know that there was a chat. You know, it's like, again, back to the parents, not totally understanding every nature of these games. Um, but Ted Cruz tried to zero in on this problem, it, this these media platforms being exploited by pedophiles and the like nonsensical approach by I mean, Zuckerberg's a parent, though he's a parent who's admitted he doesn't let his kids sit there online doing social media, it makes them play outside. But listen to this exchange with Ted Cruz. Instagram also displayed the following warning screen to individuals who were searching for child abuse material. These results may contain images of child sexual abuse. And then you gave users two choices. Get resources or see results anyway. Mr. Zuckerberg, what the hell were you thinking? All right, Senator. Um, the, the, the basic science behind that is that when people are searching for something that is problematic, it's often helpful to, rather than just blocking it, to help direct them towards something that um, that could be helpful for getting them to get help. In what, I also, understand, get resources. In what sane universe is there a link for see results anyway? Well, because we might be wrong. How many times was this warning screen displayed? I don't know, but the... But the hey, you don't know. Why don't you know? I don't know the answer to that off the top of my head. But what, you know what, Mr. Zuckerberg, it's interesting you say you don't know it off the top of your head because I asked it in June of 2023 in an oversight letter and your company refused to answer. Will you commit right now to within five days answering this question for this committee? We'll follow up on that. Is that a yes? Not a will follow up. I know how lawyers write statements saying we're not going to answer. Will you tell us how many times this warning screen was displayed? Yes or no? Senator, I'll personally look into it. I'm not sure if we have. Okay, so you're refusing to answer that. Newt, it's, it's cathartic to see that kind of thing. Isn't it? So often we watch these congressional hearings and it's just so frustrating. Nothing gets done. They don't get their points across. Well, it's cathartic I mean, I mean, to watch all, something like that. First of all, I mean, child pornography is illegal. Uh, we routinely uh, arrest child pornographers. Uh, and I think that this is a similar thing. I think that grooming... And uh, <clears throat> pedophilia uh, are, are illegal acts, 
And one of the things that should be happening is the government should, at different levels should be routinely scanning. And there you have an individual who is accountable, uh, the person who is putting this stuff on the internet. And that person should be at risk of going to jail. Um, but there's no question uh, when, when uh, my wife Callista was the ambassador to the Vatican, uh, one of her three major concerns was this kind of preying upon women uh, and the exploitation of women and children. And it is a worldwide problem. I mean, this is an something has happened, and we we now have uh, organized efforts on a huge scale to exploit women and children uh, and to make huge amounts of money out of doing it. And I think that we have to be much more aggressive and tough-minded so that people don't even get on the internet trying to do this stuff because you do leave a trail. And we should be able to track these people down and we should be able to hold them accountable and prosecute them. Mm. Instead, we're letting them click on a little box to see explicit images, apparently, of right. young children, which is illegal on every level. And if he That's says right. we might be wrong, I mean, what's coming up? What about the times you're right? How often are you right? What do you do then? Like, that's I'd love to know the answers to all those questions. By the way, while people like the um, like the guy I just mentioned, the the CEO of the, of the gaming company Discord got up there and said, oh, we're so happy to be here to talk about this issue. Uh, only a couple of them showed up voluntarily. Most of them had to be subpoenaed. They, they didn't They didn't right. want to go. They got dragged in there kicking and screaming. So good on the Senate for doing it. And I hope something comes of it. Um, all right, let's talk about what's happening with Mayorkas and illegal immigration right now. It looks like the House is going to, for the first time, I guess in 150 years, impeach a cabinet official. And there's a big debate even within Republican circles on whether this is the right move, because as upset as Republicans and everyone, well, not everyone, but Republicans are about the border. Uh, Mayorkas is not really the problem. His boss is the problem. And if we get rid of him, there's a real question about whether anything will change. So let's just start with, do you think it's a good idea for them to proceed with an impeachment vote, which we think they're going to do? Well, and I mean, that they, they may I doubt, look, I doubt very much if he's going to be convicted by the Senate. So in a way, it's a project at drawing people's attention to how bad the border is. Uh, but I think also, you're exactly right. Uh, the real problem here is what happens with Biden, Biden's policies. I mean, a, a group of senior FBI, retired senior FBI people, just issued a letter to Congress saying that we have an enormous national security threat on our southern border. And that national security threat is entirely Biden's illegal immigration policy. These are Biden's illegal immigrants. The fact is Trump had done a good job of closing down the border and dramatically lowering the number of people coming in the U.S. Biden has gone in exactly the opposite direction. And the result is today we have thousands and thousands of people. We don't know who they are. We don't know what their relationships are. And <clears throat> these FBI officials said, you know, the number of young males who are now in the U.S. who could be from Venezuela or from Iran or from a variety of other places and could, in fact, potentially uh, be a fifth column attacking the United States from within. Uh, this is all very real. And the truth is the Biden policies uh, leave us defenseless and vulnerable in ways that I would have thought were unimaginable. Okay, but now things are getting interesting politically because this was a very clear winner for Republicans prior to you know this month. 
Um, the Democrats clearly want an open border. Otherwise, why would we have one? And the Republicans under Trump did a very good job of not shutting it entirely, but coming as close as we have in years. And now it's already getting spun because they've proposed this deal. Republican hardliners said, you're not getting any Ukraine aid unless we get some concessions on the border. And Biden kind of said, okay, I'll give you the concessions on the border, at least some of them. And uh, now give me my Ukraine aid. And the Republicans now are supposedly this bill is DOA that three senators have been working on because the House is saying hard no, reportedly because Trump is saying hard no. And that, according to Mitch McConnell, Trump doesn't want it because it's going to hurt him in the election. He doesn't want to give the win to Joe Biden. And Trump himself is saying, I'm very against it, not for that reason, but because he thinks it's a bad deal. He says no deal is worse than this deal. Now, the other argument is uh, we don't know whether Trump's going to win the election. Joe Biden could win the election and half a loaf might be better than no loaf uh, if that's our future. So how do you see it? Well, first of all, my experience in Congress was when a bill is written in secret, it's because they know if they release it, uh, it's going to fall apart. So when you have three or four months of secret negotiations, uh, and recently one of the authors has been going around complaining that people keep making stuff up. Well, they make stuff up because it's secret. Uh, and I, I think they're now going to release it. We'll see the real language. But if the language is as bad as people have suggested, uh, I would absolutely totally oppose this bill. Uh, I think our goal should be no illegal immigration, a completely secure border, and whatever changes in the law that requires, uh, we should take. Now, in terms of uh, Biden's abilities, there's an entire list. I'm writing a newsletter at Gingrich 360 about this. There's an entire list of authorities that he has right now. And he inadvertently admitted that the other day when he said, boy, if they pass this, you know, I'll close the border that day. Well, if he has the power to close the border that day, why isn't he closing the border? And the reason is because the left wants an open border. They want the largest possible number of illegal immigrants. They hope that they're going to wait the census for the next Congress and move and save places like California and New York from losing congressional seats. And the whole thing is crazy. I mean, I have to be honest, I, the left has now gone both on climate, where they want to impose electric cars on everybody, even though only 6% of the country wants one. They've gone crazy on the border. And their position on Iran is, frankly, equally crazy. And you look at all this and you just wonder, you know, what has happened? I mean, my other example would be what's happened with drugs. When you have more Americans killed by drug overdose annually that were killed in eight years of the Vietnam War, literally, more people die from drug overdose every year now than were killed in eight years in Vietnam. Uh, we have a real crisis. And you have, a, frankly, a Democratic Party that seems incapable of breaking out of its ideology and dealing with reality. Joe Biden now wants us to believe he's a border hawk. He's a border hawk, even though we've had 2.7 illegals uh, encountered at the border, meaning stopping and, and interacting with uh, with the Border Patrol. That doesn't count the gotaways. A record number this past year alone, not to mention if you go back the year before that, you know, more, well over a million and so on the year before that, too, all under his presidency. Now he wants us to believe he's a border hawk and he sees the political opportunity here now that the Republicans are saying this is not a good deal. We're not going to sign this and we're not we're not signing on to this. It's not what we want. 
it allows reportedly at least 5,000 illegals to cross over the border a day. <laughs> we are already having yeah. 8,000 right now at, at a time everyone agrees this is a crisis. So we're going to lower it by three. That's that's our great border deal that we're striking. Um, and that allows him to say, there, I fixed it. So here he is. My team put together a little then and now SOT montage of him, sound on tape. That's what SOT stands for, um, showing how he sounds today versus how he has sounded from the beginning of his presidency. We could go back further than that, but watch. We're a nation says if you want to flee and you're fleeing oppression, you should come. If that bill were the law today, I'd shut down the border right now. You come to the United States and you make your case. It'll also give me as president the emergency authority to shut down the border until it could get back under control. And those who come seeking asylum, we should immediately have the capacity to absorb them, keep them safe until they can be heard. Give me the power. No one, no one would be put in jail while waiting for their hearing. Amazing. We can absorb them all. How did that work out? Well, you know, Gallup warned us that in their worldwide poll, 165 million people said they would like to come to the United States. 165 million. Now, you know, I mean, in, in Biden's case, first of all, if he's a hawk, he's a chicken hawk. Uh, he's not a real hawk. Uh, and second, uh, I thought the most telling number recently was a Rasmussen poll that said that by 69 to 27, the American people side with Texas against the federal government. And among strong support, it was 52 to 15. Now, if that if 69 percent of the American people think Texas is right to intervene and control the border, despite Biden's policies, uh, that tells you that the country is beginning to really become militant about the need to get our border under control. And I don't see how Biden's going to deal with this. <clears throat> he has a huge split with his left over the border. He has a growing split with his left over the Middle East. Um, meanwhile, the average American is looking at high prices. They're looking at crime in the streets. I mean, Washington, D.C. is a nightmare. We've had nine, last year we had 950 carjackings. Uh, we had 7,000 cars stolen. This is in your national capital. And uh, across the country, Portland has just declared an emergency uh, because it is such a disaster. So I think that uh, there's, a, there's both a performance problem for Biden in that the country thinks it's not working, and there's a values problem in that the country mostly repudiates uh, the kind of hard left values that he has come to advocate, which, by the way, is a long way from where he was back when he was U.S. senator. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, my God. He's changed dramatically. Um, just looking at what this is doing, you know, these 8,000 across the border every day, what it's doing to U.S. cities and why Biden has finally been willing to come to the table on it. Yes, he cares deeply about Ukraine because he thinks we'll be ceding Ukraine to Russia. And that's a major campaign issue for him, too. Um, if we don't fund an additional 60 billion as he's requested. So he's in much more of a compromise mood. But it's really about his reelection hopes that, as you point out, you know, 69 percent of the country's on the on Texas's side. The immigration is becoming a top issue for Democrats now, or is it it never was. And now it is for them, too, because they're feeling it in unique ways in their own cities. And that brings me to Massachusetts. All right. So Massachusetts, the state's emergency shelter system hit capacity in November. Right now, we have dozens of migrants sleeping on the floor at Boston's Logan's, Logan Airport. And that 
And then there's a, a huge recreational complex, a state-run facility that they're right now turning into a shelter for immigrants. Now, this is in a majority black area per the Daily Mail. And so kids, at-risk youth, who are usually encouraged to go to the rec center to play basketball, to have fun, to stay off the streets, like get in there with your friends. They do this in a lot of cities and it's smart and it works, are now being told, get back out on the street. Out you go. We need this for the illegals. And you've got the governor who's part of the problem out there like, I'm really sad. I'm really sad about all of this. And but yet, what are you going to do? What are you going to change? Are you still going to be sanctuary place for illegals? Take a listen to her. I get emotional, guys, okay? Because I'm committed to this. Little kids need to be able to breathe clean air. They need to be able to access swimming pools. They need to have lifeguards there who are going to teach them how to swim. And they need to have activities. I don't know what we're going to do for a couple, three months. I'll call universities. I'll call other places. Great. She's going to make some phone calls so the children can get their rec center back. Look, the, the, the problem with the modern left is it lives in a fantasy world. Uh, somehow, magically, things are going to happen. Uh, and when you get down to reality, it doesn't work that way. You had the same thing in New York where they had to close down a school, send 1,200 children home so they could bring in illegal immigrants because there was a big snowstorm and they needed the space. I mean, what's happened under the Biden immigration policy is that Biden's illegal immigrants are treated better than American citizens. They're given, you know, some of them are put up in hotels at very considerable cost. Uh, and we're all supposed to feel sympathetic. Well, I think most Americans feel sympathetic first for their own neighborhood, their own children, their own grandchildren. And they look around in horror. You just had a group of illegal immigrants beat up a New York cop and they were released without bond uh, because mm -hmm. New York has a no bail prog program. So these guys are back out on the street. Uh, and you wonder why we have this huge crime rate. Uh, we've had a horrendous problem. I mentioned Washington. We had a guy the other day who killed two people while carjacking and was finally killed himself by the police. Now, normal, everyday people can look at this and say it ain't working. But if you're on the hard left, you think, oh, that's it's really racist to say that illegal immigrants shouldn't be allowed to rape you or kill you. Uh, this is a sign that you're really a racist. No, it's a sign you're a normal person who doesn't think you want to be killed or raped. Uh, I, yeah. Why they are so out of touch with reality, I don't know. But it's clear that the modern left is now off in la-la land and has virtually no contact with, with the planet Earth anymore. Um, on, the, on the Massachusetts front, in Massachusetts, it has eight cities within the state of Massachusetts, which is not huge, are sanctuary cities, including Boston. Those are the phone calls she should make. You want to help them make phone calls to those eight mayors and see if you can get reversals on the lure that is these sanctuary cities to these illegals. Um, you mentioned the D.C. Uh, carjacking situation. Here's the D.C. Uh, a top attorney, Brian Schwab, talking about this. Listen. We as a city and a community need to be much more focused on prevention and surrounding young people and their families with resources if we want to be safer in the long run. We cannot prosecute and arrest our way out of it. It's unbelievable. Now, you were there, Newt. You lived this. I had Bill Barr on the program a couple months ago, beginning of the year. And he, of course, he worked for HW uh, many moons ago. And never mind, you know, Trump. And 
he wrote a whole book talking about how strict enforcement of the law, criminal prosecutions and putting people in jail works. That's exactly right. how you stop crime. Well, I mean, we know that's true from what Giuliani and Chief Bratton did in New York, where they reduced the murder rate literally almost overnight. Uh, but in addition, I would point out when I was speaker, we took over the city. The, Washington is the national capital. Every American should be able to visit their national capital in safety. And if the local corrupt de Democratic government can't do it, then I think we have an obligation for the Congress to take the city over again, uh, establish law and order, uh, establish rational rules, eliminate the regulations that are killing business. Look, they're, they have, they're so bad right now, they have driven two of their major sports teams out of the city. Uh, they are going to bankrupt downtown Washington because those sports teams were the major draw to bring people down into Washington uh, to to and to shop and do other things. And they're on the edge of a genuine crisis economically, a real crisis in crime. Uh, and uh, I think it's unconscionable that the Congress doesn't. This is a federal city. It's the national capital. Uh, and frankly, it should be run in a rational, intelligent way. All right, I want to get your thoughts on how they're handling Iran and the death of these three American service personnel this week, as well as politics, because those interesting split polls for Trump and Biden, they tell us something. And I don't know what you'll tell us when we come right back after this quick break. Former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich stays with us. A couple of polls out that I'd love to ask you about. First, there's the new uh, Bloomberg slash Morning Consult poll. This is polling a Trump versus Biden matchup in the key swing states. It's a poll to be noted of not likely, which is the best measure, but of registered voters. Um, getting all registered voters out to vote is a very different story, as you know. I mean, a lot of these states, you just register when you get your driver's license. It does not mean you're actually going to go do it. So I always like to point that out. The polling of people at Fox were always super rabid about likely, likely, likely. Um, okay. In any event, He's crushing it. Trump's crushing Biden on these polls. North Carolina up 10. Nevada up eight. Georgia up eight. Wisconsin up five. Michigan five. Pennsylvania up three. Arizona up three. My God. OK, but then there's the Quinnipiac poll, which is a national poll. Eh, I don't know if the national polls are that relevant. I, you know, it's like we don't have a national election. You know, we have an electoral college. You have to win the swing states in order to win whatever. But for what it's worth, the, the national poll, again, registered voters, shows Biden up over Trump by six points. Biden 50, Trump 44. Um, not for nothing, but it shows Haley be, beating Biden um, by five points. <laughs> but the reason they're showing Trump struggling in this national poll is his deficit to Biden when it comes to women in particular and independence to a lesser extent. Biden has a 22-point margin over Trump in this poll with women, 58 to 36. And uh, Trump's got an 11-point margin over Biden with men, but obviously at 22 is double 11. And when it comes to independence, Biden's beating Trump by 12 points, 52 to 40. So how are we to make sense of those two pieces of data? Well, I, I don't think we know yet. We need three or four more polls. Uh, Quinnipiac is an outlier right now. We've seen no other poll like that with uh, Biden ahead. So I, I can't say for sure what it means. Uh, the Bloomberg polls 
are about where uh, we've seen things in general, but a little stronger for Trump. Uh, so I don't know if something happened in between. It's very unlikely that you saw that biggest shift uh, between the polls. But I'd like to see three or four more polls. I don't. I don't. Normally, I, I think Quinnipiac is not as reliable uh, as a lot of other polls. But you still have to take it uh, at least semi-seriously. Um, but I don't know of anything which has happened, which would strengthen Biden. I mean, he's getting weaker because of the way he's mishandling Iran. Uh, he's getting weaker because of the border. Uh, so I don't know of any big comeback that is strengthening him uh, at any level at the present time. I just did uh, two uh, uh, events uh, with the Republicans in Michigan, with the Republican House and Republican Senate. And in both of those cases, they felt pretty confident they're going to carry Michigan. And if they carry Michigan, uh, Trump will almost certainly be president. Mm. I mean, that's that really will be extraordinary. When he started to win in the upper Midwest in 16, it was the moment where you knew, whoa, something's happening here. Um, but here's how th this is going to be spun with the left and independents sure. still read The New York Times and listen to The New York Times podcast and so on. Uh, just take a listen to how they describe the immigration issue. And if they don't strike this deal on immigration, we're going to get a whole lot more of this over the next 10 months. Uh, this was today's New York Times podcast, The Daily, in part, sought to. He doesn't want to give Biden a win on this. Hmm. It's an extremely compelling political campaign issue for him with his base. So in a very real sense, Trump is trying to torpedo this, we suspect, because he wants to make sure that a huge issue so animating and central to his campaign and his base remains an issue that's animating to his campaign and to his base. This is really the story of a Democratic president being willing to meet his Republican congressional peers much more than halfway on a very sensitive issue. And the response from those congressional Republican peers is to reject the offer. Much more than halfway. He's, he's bending over backwards here, sir. Hey, look, this is the New York Times. I mean, <laughs> I spent my whole career reading the New York Times and the Washington Post and then moving 35 points to the right to understand reality. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, the New York Times is so totally anti-Trump that it's kind of pathetic. Uh, but but here's there are two things that are problems for them. The first is the American people are really fed up with politics. You know, when when 96 of the top 100 TV shows last year were NFL games, it tells you that people are looking for an escape rather than focusing on this mess that they are frustrated by, but they can't control. The second problem the Democrats have is you can say anything you want to politically. And then you look at the local news, not national news, mm -hmm. local news. You see muggings. You see carjackings. You see murders. You see rapes. You see policemen being assaulted. Uh, and you think these are all Joe Biden's illegal immigrants. You don't think this is Donald Trump's or this is the Republicans. Uh, this has been Biden's policy. He has owned it for three years. He can't get out from under it. Uh, and frankly, if he really wants aid to Ukraine and to Israel, he ought to bite the bullet, accept H.R. 2, which is the bill that the House Republicans passed back at the beginning of the year, uh, and actually control the border. I mean, if he actually suddenly controlled the border, and if illegal immigration dropped to under 1,000 a day, let's say, uh, he would be in dramatically better shape. He, he could just do it. 
Just do you it. Can't. Just do the same executive policies that Trump did. Just do it. You don't need you the can't. congressional approval. Just do it. You can actually get yeah. the border in a lot better shape. He doesn't want to. They should call his bluff on that. Right. Go ahead. Do it. Do Title 42. Yeah. Do do well, all the Trump stuff. We, we well, support you. I'm, I'm going to do a podcast at, at Newt's World on, on this whole issue with people who are experts on the border. And the truth is, they have an entire list of things that Trump did, all of them legal, all of them Biden could do tomorrow morning. And he sort of hinted at this the other day when he said, boy, if they'd pass that bill, I'd close the border today. Well, if he can control the border today, why isn't he? And people yeah, know it. why he isn't, because his left wants the largest possible number of illegal immigrants, even if that includes terrorists, criminals, people left out of insane asylums. I mean, these countries yeah. aren't pedophiles. Stupid. Yeah. Okay. So no. to summarize, you are against cutting a deal, th th this deal, as at least as it's been reported thus far. You're with Trump. This is not well, a good I, deal. I, I am for a good bill and I'm against a phony bill. And the current okay. bill strikes me as pretty phony. And then last but not least, can you give me your take on how we're handling the Iran crisis with three U.S. soldiers dead and Biden saying, and another 34 wounded, and Biden saying, I've decided what I'm going to do. I've decided he, everything he does, he telegraphs and then we wait to see what it is. Now uh, it's been several days. We've done nothing. What do you think? I think his weakness on the border is matched by his weakness with Iran. Uh, everything he has done, he, he, he allowed them to start selling oil again. That gave them billions of dollars. He paid him six billion dollars to get five hostages. Uh, he was part of the Obama deal, which actually flew in an entire plane load of cash. I mean, think about that. An entire plane filled with billion dollars in cash, uh, none of which, by the way, was U.S. dollars because the Iranians would not accept American money. Uh, I mean, they, they've had this love affair. They have this fantasy that there is a moderate Iran. There isn't a moderate Iran. When, when the Iranian parliament chants death to America, the Ayatollah Khomeini went on national television and said, this is not a slogan. This is our policy. Now, They've, they have attacked us over 150 times. I have a newsletter coming out tomorrow outlining that either we are going to intimidate Iran or Iran is going to intimidate us. We know if Donald J. Trump were in the White House, we'd be the intimidators. And we know with Biden in the White House that he is being intimidated. It is pathetic. We've had 150 attacks on Americans since October 18th. You would think the Pentagon had sitting on the table an entire strategy of attacking that they could hand the president, and he could have announced it three hours after the attack that killed three Americans. Instead, mm -hmm. they're dithering around. They're desperately trying to avoid getting into a fight with Iran for reasons I cannot fathom, because the Iranians are going to keep pushing us and pushing us, and they're going to keep trying to kill Americans. They're going to keep trying to close down the Red Sea. Uh, and we look like we're, we're pathetically incompetent. Between the border and Iran, uh, this is the most pathetic administration, I think, in American history. Mm. It, it looks like we're afraid of them. That's how well, it Biden looks. Did. And no question. Yeah, and we don't, Biden's afraid. No, we don't need to be afraid of them. It would not go well for Iran. We take care of them in about a day. Uh, but nobody wants a war with Iran. It's just you'd like to see some strength and some leadership and you'd like to see right. some fear of the United States military under the commander in chief right now. It's not there. Speaker Gingrich, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. Great to be with you. All right. And don't forget, folks, you can check out the Megan Kelly show live if you'd like to watch us at youtube.com slash Megan Kelly. And if you're listening via podcast, 
Don't forget to subscribe. Go ahead and subscribe. We appreciate that. Governor Gavin Newsom of California told MSNBC over the weekend there is no chance that he will run for president. That was just before he told us how far he would go for President Biden, who he assures us is very, very vibrant and up to the task. Plus, a leaked video reveals Gavin Newsom was shocked, shocked, I tell you, when he watched his policies play out in everyday life. Joining, uh, joining us now to discuss it all, one of our favorites, and he's a California resident, Adam Carolla, host of The Adam Carolla Show. Adam, welcome back. Great to have you. Thanks for having me, Megan. All right. So your favorite governor has been making the rounds and um, had this to say on MSNBC. Take a listen. You are an excellent emissary in terms of passion, engagement, articulation, all of the things that, you know, make for a good campaigner, though we know you're not running for president yourself. No chance. <laughs> no chance. Yeah. Who in their mind would want to run uh, when you have someone of such esteem as our incumbent president okay. of the United States with a record of accomplishments and a man of character, a man of decency? I'm old school. Talk about loyalty. I'll, I'll go to ends of the earth for this guy. I really would. I'm not I'm not making that up. I'm glad he said that at the end, because I was wondering whether he was joking. <laughs> Weren't you? Yeah. Well, it is kind of funny because if when you exaggerate, that's when it becomes clear that you're lying, you know? So mm -hmm. if somebody said to you, like, if you had a short, fat daughter and somebody said, uh, how's Helga doing? Did she find a date for the prom? And you went, <laughs> no, she hasn't. Helga hasn't found a date for the prom, but it's, 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 it's puzzling because she's exquisite looking and she's so beautiful and she's better looking than the best looking supermodel. And her personality is so vibrant. That's when it starts seeing, seems like you're lying, you know? And yeah. the thing about yes. Biden, Biden is such an unmitigated train wreck that when people try to prop him up, it seems surreal. And it also seems like they're lying. Like if somebody said, you know, what do you think of Joe Biden? And I was like, well, you know, he's, he's doing his job, I guess. You know, I mean, really, how good is any president? You know, at least he's not Trump or something like that. Then you'd believe it. If I, if I went, this guy's sharp as a tack and leading us in the direction of light and truth. And you'd go, oh, get the hell out of here. And that, so that's what, that's what Newsom sounds like. But keep in mind, Newsom is a narcissistic sociopath douchebag. I mean, he really is, he really has a personality disorder. I, I don't know how else to explain who he is. And, and it's not Newsom that we should be thinking about. It's the people that vote for Newsom. Like that's the thought experiment. He is an empty bag. He is a sociopath. He has no thoughts in his head other than sound bites or what will get him either elected or reelected. The question is, in this sort of sociological experiment, is who votes for this idiot? And the answer is a lot of people yeah. because of how he looks and how he comes across, which is yeah. very interesting. Like, what would, 
how would it work if Gavin Newsom was five foot nothing and had a double chin and a receding hairline? What if he were a Helga? What if his first name was Helga? Like, mm -hmm. I got yelled at when I did uh, Sean Hannity's show several months ago where somebody asked me about AOC. And I said, listen, if she was 60 and from Minnesota and fat, no one would listen to a word she said. And everyone was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> it's like, whoa, what? You think we listen to a word truth. that's in that head? She doesn't have a thought in her head. Why would we listen to her? It's totally yeah. true. It's 100% true. And it I think if Gavin Newsom was 60, short, fat, and from Minnesota, nobody would listen to a goddamn word that idiot had to say. I think I need to hear the soundbite again. It's such, there's such acting going on in here. He's from California. Let's watch it again. All right. You are an excellent emissary in terms of passion, engagement, articulation, all of the things that, you know, make for a good campaigner, though we know you're not running for president yourself. No chance. <laughs> no chance. Yeah. Who in their mind would want to run uh, when you have someone of such esteem as our incumbent president okay. of the United States with a record of accomplishments and a man of character, a man of decency? I'm old school. Talk about loyalty. I'll, I'll go to ends of the earth for this guy. I really would. I'm not I'm not making that up. <laughs> it's, it's, it's wonderful. Well, Man of character. The, crazy, the craziest thing about Biden's character is back when he knew he was alive about 30 years ago, he was giving his bona fides about his education and he was like, I was at the top half of my law school class. I was a Fulbright um, scholarship awardee. I was the only person in my school that had a triple major. He, he lied about all of it. I mean, back when oh. the news, back when the news had an ounce of integrity, like, you know, the craziest thought experiment is you go back and you watch the ABC nightly news from 1991. And they're like, Mr. Biden did not have any of these degrees. Mr. Biden was lying. And you're like, Oh, Who's saying this? It's like, oh, oh, the news. The oh, golden the news. age. Yeah, it used to be the news. They used to just report on stuff when Democrats lied and plagiarized. So how can you be a man of character? Like I said to Dr. Drew, I was like, is there any situation where you could forget what your major was or how many degrees you had or how many scholarships you had? That's a weird characteristic lie. I mean, that's an insane thing to make up all your degrees and all your majors or, you yeah. know, how you marched with Martin Luther King or you were in a South African prison because you went to meet with Nelson Mandela. I mean, what a sociopathic <laughs> liar Biden is. But you got Newsom, who's also a sociopath. So they're they're kind of perfect for each other. He explained why he did some of that, in particular, his academic record. He said he exaggerates when he gets angry. <laughs> That's what he said. I exaggerate when I get angry. That's a thing, right? And you get really pissed off and you just are like, I was top of my class. That's <laughs> what so you start yelling, oh, right? You start making up your fake resume when you feel angry. Whenever I argue with a woman and it gets really heated, I'll go, it's like the time I won the Heisman Trophy. <laughs> and then I go, oh.
wait a minute. Oh, oh. <laughs> it's like the time I won the Congressional Medal of Honor. Okay, woman? Right. <laughs> yeah. I remember the time I hoisted the Stanley Cup above my head. Yeah, yeah. That's how it works. That's, you're being too hard on him. Obviously, we've all been there. Um, okay. I want to get on to my second clip of Gavin Newsom because he was apparently doing some roundtable with press and local California officials about something else and was making small talk before the Zoom call got started about a very jarring experience he had in a Target out there in California. Eh? Uh, take a listen to how that sounded, SOT 21. Sure. Uh, you drop this and he comes back, picks it up and keeps walking out. As we're checking out, the woman says, oh, he's just walking out. He didn't pay for that. I said, well, why are you stopping? She goes, oh, the governor. I swear to God, true story. On my mom's grave. The governor lowered the threshold. There's no, there's no, there's no accountability. There's no, I said, it's just not true. And she, I, she got, I said, we have the 10th toughest, $950, the 10th toughest in America. She doesn't even know what I was talking about. By the way, it's the 10th toughest in America. Don't look it up. No one gives a damn about right. that. And I said, it's just not true. There's still stop. He said, well, we don't stop them because of the governor. And then she goes, she looks at me twice and then she freaks out. She calls everyone over, wants to take photos. I'm like, no, I'm not taking a photo. We're having a conversation. Where's your manager? How are you blaming the governor? And it was, you know, $380 later. And I was like, why am I spending $380? Everyone can walk the hell right out. Yeah. So annoying, yeah. isn't it? I know. I, you know, Gavin Newsom, I remember about two years ago, he, when all the train robberies were going on, um, they were robbing all the trains in downtown LA because they had FedEx boxes on them. And then they would just throw the boxes everywhere. And it was just garbage. As far as the eye could see boxes packaging, it was a real hellscape. And then he showed up and he did a presser and he was like, what the hell's going on around here? Like, that's his thing. His thing is like, oh man, he, he has a, he has a very interesting technique, which is he will say like, you'll go homeless. What's going on with the homeless? And I'll go, yeah, what's going on with the homeless? What's happening? Like all your horrible <laughs> failed policy is what's <laughs> happening. That's what like he happening. shares in your pain and also has no idea how, how this happened. Who did this to us? Yes. Your, your Democrat majority, um, city and state is what happened. Gavin Newsom, that's where the graffiti is. That's where the trash is. That's where the homelessness is. That's where all the crime is. That's where the smash and grabs are. That's the person walking out in front of you without paying at Target. That's where it comes from. Why are you looking around? Go find a mirror and figure out what the problem is. We looked it up and uh, Jerry Brown was governor of California in 2014. That's when Prop 47 was signed into law, it lowered drug and property crime penalties. And Gavin Newsom, who tried recently to to push for measures that might tackle some of the out of control recent that uh, out of control retail theft, refused to make changes to Prop 47. Refused, and Prop 47 uh, makes it a felony for property thefts totaling 950 or higher. So, in other words, you can steal with impunity if it's under 950. dollars That's basically the law. And so well, he looks around like, gee, I don't 
Had it happened under another Democrat, you were just given the chance to increase the penalties so that there could be a real skin in the game for these thieves. You refused to do so, and not for nothing, but um, the the numbers are, uh, sh since 2019, shoplifting in San Mateo and San Francisco counties have increased 53% and 43% respectively, the highest out of California's 15 largest counties. And California at large ranked second worst in the nation for total value of stolen goods per capita. It's ranked third worst regarding lost tax revenue due to retail theft. So there you have it. Those are the actual numbers. Well, I do have some good news, Megan, which is $950 sounds like a lot of merchandise, but soon a McDonald's hamburger will be $950 in California. Mm. So won't be that much stolen. How much are they going for right now? They're about $875 now, you know, with the, with like the minimum our day. hike. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, you know... <clears throat> Here's, I mean, an interesting philosophical thought for, for you and, and your audience, which is you can sit around and, and Newsom will do it all the time. Newsom will go like, you know, California's economy has grown 7.8% under my administration. Crime is, violent crime is down 13%. Homelessness, we just got 850 people off the street on Wednesday. Like, he'll do all that. He'll 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 take those numbers. He'll do the same thing Biden does. You know, we created 75 million new jobs under my, you know, here's the deal. In-N-Out Burger is leaving Oakland, California. Why? Why is In-N-Out Burger leaving? In-N-Out Burger's never closed a franchise in their storied 75-year history. In-N-Out Burger is California. Every In-N-Out Burger that opens thrives. You can pass an In-N-Out Burger two in the morning on a Wednesday, and there's a line of 85 cars trying to get an In-N-Out Burger. That's how robust In-N-Out Burger is. So you do this thing where they go like, crime is down and jobs are up. Okay, how come the In-N-Out Burger left Oakland, California? Why? Why? Why is there retail theft? going on? Why is there graffiti everywhere? Why is there garbage everywhere? Why is the schools failing? Why are there homeless people everywhere? You talk about how great everything is, but why? How come when I look around, how come when I go to other cities, I don't see garbage everywhere and graffiti everywhere and homelessness everywhere? How? And it's the same thing. It's like, listen, you don't need stats in a spreadsheet. You need to know why In-N-Out Burger left Oakland, California. And the answer is they defunded the police. The police fell back. Too much crime in that neighborhood. That's Gavin Newsom's back backyard. Why? And soft on crime prosecutors, right? In, right. in these big cities. And, right. and they're right. just now catching up with some of that nonsense. Like they got rid of Chesa Boudin and San Fran. All right. Well, you'll be happy to know, or maybe not, that it's not just California that's lost its ever-loving mind. All the way across the country, closer to me in Connecticut, in New Hampshire, they are choosing to celebrate people's sexual fetishes on Main Street. So New Hampshire, of all places, which is not, it's not California. You know, I don't, I don't get it. They live free or die, I get that piece of it, but this is a little much, even for them. They have just opened um, in Atkinson, New Hampshire, the diaper spa, the diaper spa, um, catering to, this is from foxnews.com, 
catering to diaper-wearing adults who want to role-play as young children. Uh, They call it a safe and judgment-free zone for visitors to pamper themselves with snacks, playtime, story time, nap time, cuddle time, changing time, coloring, nursery rhymes, and sing-alongs. In the summer, Adam, you can play with your water wings and floaties poolside, picnic under the tree with your teddy bear, play marbles on the patio, or swing on the front porch swing and serve tea to your dollies on the porch. This is all men in diapers. I continue. In the winter, we can make snow angels, build snowmen, drink hot cocoa from beneath clouds of whipped cream and sprinkles, and decorate gingerbread men or sugar cookies. (laughs) I'm almost done. We focus on the entire sensory experience. And our nursery smells like baby powder and warm cookies. We have... We have have soft blankies and stuffies, a sound machine that makes womb noises or plays lullabies, a wet wipe warmer, a bottle warmer, and an oil warmer. Oh, God. We have tons of snacks to keep tummies happy, too. (laughs) Now they've had to assure residents that they will not be encouraging those who frequent the diaper spa to walk at the nearby park on any excursions where the young children play because it's going to be a bunch of old dudes with fetishes in diapers with filled up tummies and gingerbread cookies. <laughs> I don't even know what to do about this. I don't, I don't know what to say. It, it's a, it's a eerie harbinger of our times that a place like this could even exist as a business the In-N-Out Burger is gone, but the Huggy Boopy <laughs> Diaper Center is opened and taken <laughs> its place. Um, you know, I had a I had a joke years ago where I said, you know, the best way to round up all the deadbeat dads would be, I say, back when uh, back when the Oakland Raiders were in L.A., I said somebody should put a sign in front of the Coliseum that said free cockfights for Raiders fans only, and then everyone who showed up would be arrested. And I feel the (laughs) same way about this place. Anybody who walks through that door should just be arrested immediately. You know they're they're on some watch list somewhere. They're they're not supposed to be within 5,000 feet of a school or a park. (laughs) There's something going on with these people. And it's interesting. I mean, it's it's kind of an interesting subcategory of men because I used to do Loveline for all these years. And once in a while, we talk to one of these dominatrix women or what what have you, the fetish. And I, I would always go, who's your clientele? And they'd always go rich white guys, like the boss. Yep. It was always yep. the boss that wanted to be knocked down because the guy working on the factory floor, he gets his ass kicked for a living, you know? And when his money idea, for that. Yeah, his idea of a good night out is a steak and a martini and a prostitute, not putting <laughs> pampers on and toddling around the romper room. You know, so <laughs> with his water wings, yeah, with his water wings on. And listen, I, I, you know, I feel like the 53 year old guys in their diapers should be able to go across the street to the park and play on the seesaw. Like, I mean, if you're going all in, you got to go all in. I wonder if businesses like remember they had those businesses a few years ago where you just went in and broke things like you just take dishes and smash them on the ground they and still stuff have like that. that 
That's that exists yeah. in New York City. Are are they flourishing though? Like, yeah. do they work? Uh -huh. Does does the business model work? I would. You know, I, well, here's here's my thing though. I, I the the owner of the spa would like you to know, Mr. Corolla, that pedophilia is not tied to diaper wearing in adults. That's a that's a smear. It's not a thing. These are just sexual fetishes doesn't make them pedophiles. She also would like to give you a tour of the diaper spa. And in case you want to see it, but you don't want to go in there personally, I got you covered. Here she is in SOT 24. This is my changing area. So it has diapers and baby powder and wet wipes and I guess everything you would expect. It helps them process whatever trauma it was. A lot of times it's childhood trauma when they were still in diapers or just getting out of diapers and they oh want to feel that safety that they had before that. Playtime, story time, nap time, cuddle time. <laughs> you understand why people read this when they think for an adult in a diaper, they, I guess they, you talk about the judgment. They find it strange. They do. And I'm, you know, I don't ask them to understand. You know, it would be nice if they did, but you are not going to all understand other people's needs and lifestyles. What do you hope comes from this? That people There's a high chair in the background. Be more accepting of people that, um, you know, are different. So I miss the days when people had their sexual fetishes and kept them to themselves. Like what you do in the bedroom, as long as you're not hurting anybody, is really none of my business. But I, I really don't want to have to walk by the diaper spa in the middle of, of this town, uh, Atkinson, New Hampshire, on my way to the park with the young children. And I do question why this woman felt the need to create the, are there so many diaper wearing men that we need like a business? How many cities will the diaper spa spread to? Yeah. I, I don't know. In terms of buying a franchise, I feel like I'd go in on a Chipotle before the diaper spa, just, I think my money manager, if I said like, Hey Rob, I, I got some extra cash laying around. I want to go in on a franchise Chipotle diaper spa. I mean, he'd probably have That's to big. sleep on it. We'd probably end up, we, maybe we combine them buy the Chipotle, put the diaper on. Oh God, um, it's going to be a stinky diaper spa. <laughs> um, it, I'm I'm 100% with you in that I I think all this stuff is intertwined. Like when you fly on a Southwest flight and the guy in front of you is wearing flip flops and oh. board shorts and a t-shirt with two pigs having sex that says making bacon on it. And you're like, that's what you chose to wear on this commercial <laughs> flight. You know what I'm saying? Like a, a general yeah. degrading of society, sort of, but it, it's kind of all encompassing, like people with really aggressive piercings and you're looking at them and they're like, what are you looking at? It's like, I'm looking at your aggressive piercings that you're asking me to look at, or, you know, the tattoos. I mean, you go to the airport in 2024, you go to LAX in the morning and people essentially are wearing pajamas at this mm -hmm. point. Like they're wearing half the women under, I'd say half the women at LAX under the age of 40 are wearing slippers in what? At, uh, yeah, there. It, I mean, it's kind of a style thing or something. They're, half the guys are wearing the glides, you know, flip flops. Everyone under 40 is essentially wearing pajamas and slippers. It's it's a it's a thing. It's Look, a I'm thankful bit. for clothing. Like, I, we, we, you know, 
you look out on the, any magazine or newspaper today and all the glam shots of this celebrity or that, they're almost naked. And I'm not a prude. I, I love a saucy outfit and I love a, a woman's body is gorgeous, but like, I don't need to see it all. You know, the, I was ripping on Lauren Sanchez recently because she had basically just a lace sheer thing over. I could see it all like, like a thong under it. It's like, it's too much. And by the way, it's not sexy. It's not sexy. Cause I can see it all, you know, like they're, Part of sexiness is the mystery of like, what do I get to see if I manage to be the one to take you home? This is more like, hey, everyone see it. You can see it. Look at it now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all part and parcel of the sort of narcissistic society we've become. But the wearing your fetishes on your sleeve or even, you know, gay pride, LGBT, you know, proud, they're proud. It's like, you don't have to be proud. I'm not proud to be a heterosexual. I don't talk about it. I don't advertise it. Do whatever you want. Be gay, yes. be trans, be, be what, whatever, whatever you are, go ahead and be it. And you know what? I'll be whoever I am, but I won't need to tell you all about who I am and what I do sexually. That'll just be my business. And you know what? Your business can be your business. We don't need to hang the gay flag in front of the uh, in front of the Capitol, the White House. We don't need to have a parade. We don't need to you you don't we we don't need to respect you because of your sexual proclivities, and we don't need to disrespect you because of it. Mm. Actually, we don't need to know. And we don't need to know about your heritage. We don't need to know what island your parents are from. We don't need any of that shit. It's it's the United States. Shut up. Go to work. Yes. Amen. All right. Now, speaking of the the trans thing, and it is in your face because everybody wants you to know if they're trans or they've hired a trans person or this is whatever. So I have to tell you about something that happened to us recently. my daughter got asked to go to a Broadway show with a bunch of her friends. She's 12. And the name of the show is and like ampersand Juliet and Juliet. And I had never heard of this. And it was a very nice offer of the other family to take this group of girls to Broadway. So we we're like, sure, that's great. So I looked it up because I'm not a dope just to make sure like, well, you know, I want to know what she was going to. All right. Here is the description that I saw, if you just Google Anne Juliet, it'll take you to the pe- the website. It's it's the Anne Juliet website. It's not like some rando. And uh, it says, created by the Emmy-winning writer from Schitt's Creek. Okay, that's a successful show. This hilarious new musical flips the script on the greatest love story ever told. Anne Juliet asks, what would happen next if Juliet didn't end it all over Romeo? Get whisked away on a fabulous journey as she ditches her famous ending for a fresh beginning and a second chance at life and love her way. Juliet's new story bursts to life through a playlist of pop anthems as iconic as her name, including Since You've Been Gone, Roar, Baby One More Time, Larger Than Life, That's the Way It Is, and Can't Stop the Feeling. All from the genius songwriter producer behind more number one hits than any other artist this century. Break free of the balcony scene and get into this romantic comedy that proves there's life after Romeo. The only thing tragic would be missing it. That sounds cute, right? Sounds like a little girl powery. I don't, that's good. Fine. I don't care. Um, yep. Thought she'd enjoy it. So she comes home. She had a great time with her friends. She loves this gal. And I was like, well, what about the show? How was that? And she's like, well, it was a little weird. Like, what was weird about it? She's like, well, there was a lot of trans stuff in it and like trans love and trans kissing and trans. I was like, what? (laughs) Like, it's been a while since I've read Romeo and Juliet, but I I don't think there's, that's not in there. 
And uh, even if Romeo were to die, I don't think Juliet would go trans. I don't, I'm not, right? So I wasn't, so I'm like, maybe she was exaggerating. I don't know, but you never know because Broadway's. So I did a little Googling when she got home and found this little promo that had been done. Clearly, I should have gone beyond the show page when I was researching the show before she went and found this little video by an actor named Justin David Sullivan, who stars as the character May, who now I understand is Juliet's best friend in the musical. Watch this. It's a man with flowers in his hair and makeup in a girl's Hi, outfit. I'm Justin David Sullivan. I use the pronouns he, she, and they, and I play Juliet's best friend, May. While I'm in and Juliet is a contemporary musical that reimagines the classic story of Romeo and Juliet, where Juliet doesn't die and takes initiative of her own life, and it follows a group of friends coming into their own. May goes on a journey of self-discovery, finds love, and explores their gender identity. I am fiercely proud that there are characters in this show that are in conversation with queer representation and what it means to find love in a way that perhaps is often seen as, as unconventional. We wanted to make the story kind of as uh, accepting of all people and embracing of all people as possible. I've never seen a non-binary character experience in a Broadway musical before, so just to have that representation on stage is so important. May's experience just happens to be so close to my own. And I feel so lucky that I get to tell the story. I'm not a girl. This show celebrates queer love in a way that Broadway has been waiting for. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> what, do you, yeah. what do you make of it? Um, it's all a sort of, I, I would say to Dr. Drew all the time, and especially recently, just all roads lead to narcissism. Like we're going like, why are we in this place? Or how do you figure this out? Or what's this person doing? It's all just a narcissistic disorder about, you know, I, if you listen to any of these people from any of these groups, it always starts with I, like I, I represent, I, I stand up. I, you know, all the people with the horrible narcissistic disorders, all the super blowhards on the left, you know, like when Alyssa Milano tweets, you know, it's like, I stand up for all children. I stand up for clean water. I stand up for a government that this corruption is like, okay, you, 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 mm. you. You, it's always, it's all narcissists. No one has ever brought this to the stage before. I'm standing up for the people that lurk in the shadows. Like at this point, over the last five years, LGBT, trans, community, you guys still lurking in the shadows because I can't walk five feet without hearing about your ass. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. This is like, this was so in your face. I mean, if the, for the listening audience, it shows two guys kissing, on stage, obviously one of them is this guy who goes by he, she, and they, all of them, Adam, all of them, and I love it. refused to go or to be considered for a Tony Award in 2023 because of the, quote, gendered categories. He was he, he, she, they, they were upset about uh, the gendered categories. 
Oh, and yeah. um, it's just so happy that now we're celebrating queer love, which is not at all what I thought something based on Shakespeare and about Juliet's next chapter was going to be. How about the non-disclosure of any of this in the write-up about the show? Don't we parents get a right to like make a call? You, you could be sending a, a much younger child than 12 there. My kid and I have talked about these issues many times, but many haven't. This could be their first exposure to it. It's not up to Broadway to do that. Yeah, well, listen, I uh, I don't bring it up, but, you know, there is some grooming possibilities going on here. I mean, as we learn from COVID, they don't really tell you what was on the curriculum at a lot of schools, uh, but there was a lot of this, you know, on the agenda and in the agenda. So I think the the kind of the plan, even if it's unspoken, is we're going to say come to school or come to a theater, come to Broadway, and we're going to, you know, come to school, we're going to talk about reading and writing and arithmetic, but also we're going to work in some of the trans community agenda as well. Queer love. Yeah, maybe that's just the new world order because it just sort of, it's just kind of popping up every place, but they don't push it out front because maybe they don't want the pushback or maybe it would hurt ticket sales or if they said listen bring your sixth grader into school so we can talk about uh, the transgender community then parents would go whoa i don't want that or i don't want to send my kids there there'd be some pushback so they kind of leave that part off and then they just sort of work that into the curriculum so maybe That's what you, you would think there. I would have learned my lesson last year. My audience knows I went to see Macbeth with Doug, my husband, and um, it was starring Daniel Craig, Bond, you know, James Bond. And I'm like, oh, this, this, right. this could be cool. I, I feel like I'm getting a little culture here. It turned out there were there was no set and there were no costumes, very minimal, almost nothing. No set. They decided this is like the new cool way to do it with absolutely no money, I guess, invested into it. And it was supposed to be, I think it's 15th century Scotland. Um it was majority minority cast. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, that's I diversity's fine, but like 1400 Scotland, pretty sure it was pretty lily white. And uh, the 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 person playing the king's son was a girl who had a blue, like mohawk type hairstyle. And of course, then the play opened with a guy coming out in a wheelchair. I mean, it was every oh. single category you could have. like. We didn't learn our lesson. We keep going back and keep getting more of the same. Know what you're getting into next time, peeps. I know. I guess you just have to figure that it's just baked in at this point. And you're going to have to check. I kind of remember when passion fruit iced tea replaced regular iced tea and, and I used to complain all the time because I love iced tea. And in California, they started replacing it with passion fruit iced tea, which tastes like someone took a scented candle and just dunked it in warm water. And Ew. at a certain point, and I'll, I'll come around to why this will make sense, but at a certain point, I would start saying, I'm ordering iced tea. It's just regular iced tea. And they went, yeah, it's regular. And then they would bring me passion fruit iced tea. And I'd go, this is passion fruit. And they'd go, that's regular. And I'm saying all the trans stuff or the 
or the Mohawks or the female playing male roles or the wheel handy capable people. It is now just regular. You're just going to have to assume if you go to a Broadway play, that is what you're going to get. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it, Broadway's always been, you know, leftist when it comes to that kind of thing and, and lots of gay men and all. And that's fine. I don't, most people are totally tolerant of that, but I don't want it. So in my face, why am I forced to celebrate? I don't, I'm looking to see something related to Shakespeare, Juliet's next chapter, kind of like wicked where like you're imagining this great story, but from a different perspective. Yes. Love it. More of it. How do we get into queer love? Guys are making out on stage and they're, you got the man dressed as a woman, but saying, I'm not a girl who goes by he, she, they, I can't, it's a lot. It's a lot for a bunch of 12 year olds, especially. All right. Stand by quick break. We're going to come back with the latest on the trans insanity in the athletic field. Wait until you see this video of this male pretending to be female running for the Rochester Institute of Technology. Stand by. I'm Megan Kelly, host of the Megan Kelly Show on Sirius XM. It's your home for open, honest, and provocative conversations with the most interesting and important political, legal, and cultural figures today. You can catch the Megan Kelly Show on Triumph, a Sirius XM channel featuring lots of hosts you may know and probably love. Great people like Dr. Laura, Glenn Beck, Nancy Grace, Dave Ramsey, and yours truly, Megan Kelly. You can stream The Megan Kelly Show on SiriusXM at home or anywhere you are. No car required. I do it all the time. I love the SiriusXM app. It has ad-free music coverage of every major sport, comedy, talk, podcast, and more. Subscribe now. Get your first three months for free. Go to SiriusXM.com slash MKShow to subscribe and get three months free. That's SiriusXM.com slash MKShow and get three months free. Offer details apply. So, Adam, we talked about in our first hour, you may have seen this story, but these illegals in New York who were encountered by police and the police were questioning them. And I, I'm trying to remember if they were, they were trying to arrest these guys or there was an, a confrontation and the illegals start beating down the cops. The cops are trying to look at this. They're, they're kicking the cops. And the cops placed a couple of them under arrest. I think a couple are still at large. And we've just received the video of these illegal immigrants being re released without bail. Look at this double bird flipping the double bird to the cameras. You can see he feels really remorseful about his behavior. Here's the next one. Double bird to the cameras. Welcome to America. Enjoy your free hotel. You can see they're really grateful to be here. You can like these are going to be fine, upstanding citizens joining our ranks sometime soon, laughing and flipping off the cameras. Yeah, uh, Megan, I just want to correct you. You're calling them illegals. These are undocumented dreamers. OK, <laughs> so please it's amazing. make a correction with your verbiage and My show bad. some respect My bad. to these people. Um, yeah, you know, I was kind of thinking about this just sort of philosophically, because now we're in a weird sort of through the looking glass upside down world where Biden, who undid all of Trump's border measures, is going, what do you want me to do? I didn't ever did anything. Somebody's got to do something like it's this crazy upside down world where like. But I, I just thought, like, let's just do a thought experiment. Like, let's forget about the border for a moment and just say, just pretend you had a school, right? 
And one group of people kept saying, we need to build a fence around the school because we're worried about people coming in and maybe harming the children or getting into the school or stealing the food from the cafeteria. And then you had another group saying, we're not going to build a fence. And if you build a fence, we're going to tear it down. Well, at some point, which group do you think would be more interested in protecting the school? And we're living in a crazy world where you have the Republicans are like, build a fence, build a wall, do it, do it, do it. The Democrats are like, don't build a wall, tear down the wall, sell all the materials off for scrap while they rust in the desert. And then they go, we're super interested in protecting the school. And it's like, you're super interested in protecting the school. I'd like to build a fence around the school. No, no, no. We're going to tear the fence down. And if you start building the fence and we take control, then we're going to take the part of the fence that you built and we'll tear that that down. We'll sell all the material for scrap. But do not tell us we're not more interested than you in protecting the school. Well, if you put it that way, that sounds insane. It's the same thing on women's rights. The, the Democrats, I mean, every other day, how they're the champions of women's rights. When that E. Jean Carroll was on Rachel Maddow's show the other night, women's rights, I'll do what it takes for women's rights. That's what Ra- Rachel said. E. Jean Carroll, she's a women's rights champion. I have yet to see Rachel Maddow or any on the left, MSNBC, et cetera, pick up the mantle of fairness to girls in sports, fairness and safety for women in women's spaces. And that brings me to the trans story that I mentioned Sadie Rose Schreiner is an amazing runner, Adam. Sadie Rose is crushing it, running as a sophomore at the Rochester Institute of Technology. Just watch Sadie Rose absolutely dominate uh, Sadie's competitors, breaking collegiate records in track and field. Here, take a look. Watch some video. This is Sadie. Look how long Sadie's legs are. Look how tall Sadie is. Sadie is like the Leah Thomas of of running. There isn't a girl near Sadie. Sadie looks unbeatable. And there are at least five body lengths between Sadie and the next person on the team. And there's a very good reason for all of that. Sadie's a man. Sadie is not just any man. Sadie was on the men's track team just a couple years ago. Actually, yeah, one year ago in December 2022, he was competing in the men's category of track and field. But like so many of these men, he wasn't very good. So if you took the same times he's posting as a women's record setter and medal winner, he would be a loser as a guy. Sadie's real name is Camden before the quote transition just sent to set two new records on Friday in track and field for RIT in New York, set the 200 meter record, qualified for the Atlantic Regional Championship, broke the 300 meter record. Uh, the 300 meter race time was over two seconds ahead of the first female runner behind him. Uh, for comparison, his times would have placed him in 18th place among the men's 200 meter race in 10th on the men's 300 meter. Nope, he's first now that he's a so-called girl. Also placed first in the 4 by 400 meter relay, earning a Liberty League Women's Track and Field Performer of the Week award. Yay, because the best women are men. He brags, crazy meat last weekend, running till my legs gave out. It's not his first stolen win. 
in December, just this past one, he was at Nazareth University in New York, setting the new record there with a time of 41.8 seconds, reportedly competed at the very same meet, Adam, one year earlier in the men's category of the 100 meter, where he came in 19th. You see, he only gets 19th or 18th as a man, but it's wonderful because with those long legs and post-male puberty and having run professionally or in the college level as a man, it's very, very easy to meet, to beat the actual females. But could it go any other way? I mean, this is the system. And I think what we fail to realize, and especially the progressives and the leftists fail to realize, is this is human nature. So if you say you can't travel with your dog. You can't bring your dog to an airport. You can't bring your dog on an airplane. And I go, well, I want to bring my dog to an airport. I want to travel with my dog, especially if it's for free. And they go, well, you can't do it unless it's a service animal. And you go, service mm -hmm. animal? How's that work? Oh, you just get a note from your doctor saying you have glaucoma or saying you have anxiety or something. And then you can travel with Fluffy. Well, there's going to be, there's going to, you go to the airport now, you step in dog poop because people go, oh, that's the system. Okay, let's game the system. This is what we do. This is what Americans, I mean, they go, you know, fill out your taxes. How many dependents do you have? I have five, but you only have one child. I know, but I'm counting my teapot as a dependent. You know, I mean, it's human <laughs> nature. Everyone comes over the border, right? used to be remain in Mexico. Now they go, well, you come over here, and if you're seeking asylum because you're coming from a, a regime that's oppressing you, so people come across the border and they go, uh, yeah, I'm an 18-year-old dude who's looking for work, but I'll just say I come from an oppressive regime and I fear for my life. And they go, oh, right. It. Well, that's what we do. And so when you open the door, people walk through it. And that's what you're saying. X amount of women an X amount of men, and I should say pretty much men, are going to do this because everyone wants to be first and no one wants to be 19th. So that's what this creates. And it's going to happen and it can't not happen. And we shouldn't be so naive to think that it isn't going to happen. And that's what we do. We go, hey, defund the police and start community ambassadors. These are unarmed people who understand the community. Next thing you know, everyone's getting the shit kicked out of them and carjacked. Because all the fakakta, crazy left-wing ideas only lead here. That's how it works. Mm-hmm. It's just, ugh, I'm sure Sadie's in the locker room with these young women right now, and they're probably too afraid to say anything. We've seen the story before. All right, finally, in the minute or so we have left, reports, take it for what it's worth, because it's at a rolling stone, that uh, someone close to Donald Trump is saying that if Taylor Swift publicly backs Joe Biden in the next election, Trump supporters will unleash a, quote, holy war on the megastar. Do you think that's a good idea? Um, first things first, I wouldn't wipe my ass with a page from Rolling Stone magazine. So true. They have completely <laughs> destroyed themselves. I have no idea why Rolling Stone wants to go down the path of Sports Illustrated or the LA yeah. Times. 
you idiots have destroyed your own brand. I used to subscribe to Rolling Stone. I used to read Rolling Stone and I used to take articles from Rolling Stone and go, oh, this must have happened. I did not know back then that they had any kind of agenda other than reporting on rock and roll and things related to it. I now believe nothing Rolling Stone says about anything. They're just a lying rag. So I have no idea if this is true. I, I don't believe it because Rolling Stone. If Rolling Stone came out <laughs> with an article that said, Adam Carolla is 59 years of age and six foot two and a Gemini, I would go, that's bullshit because <laughs> it's in Rolling Stone. Well, I think you, I have the same skepticism about the publication as you do, but I also know that those very close to Trump, uh, if she does get political and she throws her hat in for his opponent, he's not above hitting her and he's not above having, you know, team MAGA hit her. And that's just what happens when you step your foot into politics. I'm sure she's aware of that. And I think if she does so, she's fair game. Adam, it's been a true pleasure. Thank you so much for all the laughs. Always a good time, Megan. Oh, likewise. All right, see you soon and see all of you tomorrow. We're going to have our Kelly Score All-Stars, Arthur Idala and Mark Iglar. See you then. Thanks for listening to The Megan Kelly Show. No BS, no agenda, and no fear.